I begin today by telling you how to get yourself in trouble when visiting a guitar store. Oh, also, fair warning, I read you an excerpt of a sermon that was so powerful when it was preached that people actually fainted. So, you might want to be sitting down, or if you're driving, pull over to the side of the road as you listen. We listen briefly to two iconic rock songs from the 70s. I tell you that you have an honest-to-gosh superpower that perhaps you didn't even know about, all on the way to answering the question, is there a highway to hell? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. It seems like I'm always starting my podcast episodes with a confession, and today I confess to the fact that I watch, well, I watch a lot of YouTube videos. There's a surprising amount of helpful videos on YouTube. Videos for podcasters, videos for photographers, videos for musicians, videos for wannabe chefs, all of which, all those topics, interest me. So I was watching a video recently on YouTube teaching me how to play a particular song on the guitar when somehow, some way, I got lured into watching a different video. Evidently, this particular channel of videos is a rather talented guitarist who visits guitar stores, asked to look at guitars, almost always electric, and then he will take a minute or two to warm up, and after no one is paying attention, hopefully, and you'll see why, he would play one of the band songs. Wait, what? Band songs? Is that like banned books? Well, no, not exactly. People want to ban books because they contain stories or ideas that the people don't want other people to read, thinking that if you ban the book, you ban the idea contained in the book. But some guitar stores literally ban particular songs being played on their instruments while someone is trying out that instrument in the guitar store. Obviously, you can play anything you want on that instrument when you buy it and take it home. Now, this is not surprising, right? If you own a guitar shop, you don't want someone coming in and playing, say, the theme to Barney. I mean, the children's television show Barney and Friends, not the theme to Barney Miller, which in my book is one of the greatest TV theme songs ever. Man, I love that opening bass line. But interestingly, that isn't the case here. The prohibition against playing certain songs when trying out a new guitar is not in order to ban horrible songs. It is instead to forbid the playing of songs that get played too often, no matter how good they are. Now, if you were to ask any accomplished guitarist to name, say, the five greatest guitarists in the history of rock and roll, There'd be some variants, obviously, but Jimmy Page would almost certainly be in the top five of most everyone's list. I check several lists on the internet, and he normally vacillates between number one and number three. Rolling Stone magazine has him as the third greatest guitarist of all time in the rock and roll era. And Jimmy Page's most famous and iconic solo of his entire illustrious career is no doubt Stairway to Heaven.
for some strange reason, this song that is truly a great song with an amazing lead-in guitar solo is probably the most famously banned song in guitar shops anywhere. So this YouTube channel I watched is nothing more than this rather impressive guitarist trying to play songs that aren't allowed to be played by whatever shop he is visiting. And I was amazed how vigilant and quick the store personnel were. He literally made the shape of an A minor chord on the neck of the guitar, played one note, and the guy in the shop quickly pulled the plug. Now, the reason why a truly great song is not allowed to be played is a matter of some debate. But there are many guitar stores that hold to this tradition. And to be honest, I think some of them continue it, well, to be honest, just to do it because it's a bit of a tradition now, and they don't even really know why. So I was already thinking about this song due to the video I watched, and then this morning I ran across a quote that you will see occasionally on the internet, and this is what it says. The fact that there's a highway to hell and only a stairway to heaven should tell you something about anticipated traffic. So you have heard the clip of one of these songs mentioned in that quote, Stairway to Heaven which was released at the very beginning of the 1970s. The next song mentioned in this quote was released by ACDC at the very end of the 1970s. And here's a quick clip of that song, Highway to Hell. I had a roommate in college who was a big ACDC fan, so I always associated, well, not this song with him, but this band with him. Good memories. Look, what you won't be getting from me here in this podcast is a detailed analysis of the lyrics of these two songs and their intended meaning. Both songs are using phrases, well, that were not unique in the creation of the song. Both phrases, Highway to Hell and Stairway to Heaven, were used long before the songs were written. So as I said, I'm not offering a musical or lyrical analysis here. I guess this podcast is really more of an analysis of that quote I saw on the internet. So let me read it to you again. The fact that there's a highway to hell and only a stairway to heaven should tell you something about anticipated traffic. Now, I have friends and acquaintances who are deeply religious, some of whom would be made uncomfortable by both of these songs, but who would wholeheartedly agree with the saying's sentiments. What they would agree with is that it's a lot easier to go to hell than it is to heaven. It's a sentiment proclaimed, perhaps better warned or threatened by many a Christian preacher over the years. One of the more famous revival preachers of all time in kind of the Christian tradition was a man named Jonathan Edwards. And in 1741, he preached a sermon that will live in infamy. I know, I intentionally use that word, infamy. Though, for many people, it was considered the height of powerful and persuasive preaching at the time. This sermon was entitled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Now, I can't remember what class it was for. It was probably for an English class or something like that. We read it when I was in high school. Though, it didn't shape my theology. Its imagery was so powerful that I remembered it. Matter of fact, reports say that this sermon, as I told you in the intro, overwhelmed some who heard it to the point that they literally fainted as they listened to Reverend Edwards preach. 
In the sermon, Jonathan Edwards compares us to a spider hanging by a single thread, the thread being held by God, and we are dangling over the pits of hell. Descriptive, no? Well, let me just read you a short passage of this sermon so you have a sense of his own words. The God who holds you over the pit of hell, much as one holds a spider or some loathsome insect over the fire, abhors you and is dreadfully provoked. His wrath towards you burns like fire. He looks upon you as worthy of nothing else but to be cast into the fire. He is of purer eyes than to bear to have you in his sight. You are ten thousand times more abominable in his eyes than the most hateful venomous serpent is in ours. That's all for today. Okay, fine. My little unescapable whispering conscious here suggesting that this might not be the best place to stop the podcast, but the truth is if all of you have fainted, passed out from the words you just heard, I really don't see any reason to go on. But in case you want to wake up later and listen to the rest of this, Though Reverend Edwards preached this sermon in 1741, there's still people in the Christian faith who would very much agree with this sentiment. There's even some biblical foundation that people who espouse this position would refer to. The most famous is from the Gospel of Matthew in the seventh chapter. And that passage says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction. And there are many who take it, for the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. So there you have it. You will be faced with two paths, the narrow, difficult way to salvation and the wide, easy path to hell. Perhaps the song's phrases have it right. There really is a highway to hell and only a narrow stairway to heaven. But, but allow me a moment of further biblical exploration. Let's look at a story that happens a little later in the same gospel, the Gospel of Matthew in the 16th chapter. In this story, Jesus is chatting with the disciples about what people are saying about him. And there's absolutely no doubt that this particular question from Jesus touches on what I would guess is the most popular question amongst the disciples when they are alone and away from Jesus and talking amongst themselves. So they are more than eager to tell Jesus what they've heard, what other people are saying about him. Then Jesus turns the tables on them, as he often does, and says, but, but who do you say that I am? And in an instant, Peter blurts out a belief that he's been developing within him for some time. You are the Christ. And in that moment, everything changes. First, let me say this. I would tend to believe that Peter's not offering a belief that he has come to alone, but more likely this is what the disciples of Jesus are beginning to believe. Peter is the one who finally vocalizes this belief to Jesus, probably on behalf of the group. Now, Jesus, after Peter makes this profession, Jesus turns to Peter and the disciples and says, you got it right. I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, that passage I just read you, there are only two sentences in the whole passage, but there's so much happening here. Jesus acknowledges that he is indeed the Christ, the anointed one, for whom Israel has been waiting. He also says that with you and your bold profession, I will build my church 
Now, depending on whether you are Catholic or Protestant, you may well read this as Jesus saying, Peter, you personally are the rock because Peter's name means rock. Therefore, you are the rock upon which I will build my church, or it's upon this profession of faith that I will build my church. I think it's not really helpful to separate the two in this passage. The profession of faith without someone who makes the profession really isn't a thing. It is the combination of a profession and the person making the profession or the community making the profession that makes this statement of faith have the ability to become the foundation of the church. And here's something really interesting. Jesus says this church will be strong, so strong that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We the church, we, the people of God, have control, have power over that. Then to prove what he's talking about, he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, these are truly the most powerful, exciting, and admittedly, if you think about them, terrifying words in perhaps all of scripture. The things we bind are bound, and the things we release are released, period. We have, the church has, the people of God have that power. Now, what does that mean? Well, what it means is that if there is a highway to hell and only a stairway to heaven, it is that way because we, oh my goodness, we have chosen to make it that way, not God. If there is a highway to hell, if there is, we made it. God has given us the power and authority to bind and to loose here on earth for other people, things that get bound and released in heaven for all eternity. To love, to forgive, to accept, and terrifyingly also to bind people to their sins and not forgive them. God says we have that power. Now, if we get to heaven and turn around and think, wow, this place is pretty sparsely populated, turn to God and say, hey, there aren't many people here. What's the deal? I think we will find God who responds with a question. Beats me. You have the keys to the gate, so you tell me. If there is a highway to hell, it is of our making. It was our decision. We, and here's the superpower, we have the power to set people free of their sins or to bind them. Why do we as a society, we as a church, we as individuals spend so much of our time binding people to what we see as their sins and not forgiving them when we have the power to do so? We all want to be forgiven. So why don't we want to forgive? God has given us the power to unbind people from their sins and to welcome them in to the kingdom of God. You, you as a child of God, have the power to be an agent of forgiveness. You, as a child of God, have been given enormous power. You have it at your disposal, the power to change the road signs for other people on this journey you call life so that those road signs now read highway to heaven and the path to hell has a permanent road close sign on it. Now, that's all for today. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you get notified of future episodes. Also, you can find me on Facebook and YouTube. Just search for SkyPilot Faith Quest. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, my email address is dan 
at skypilot.zone. And on your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. Thanks for listening to SkyPilot Faith Quest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. And remember, the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions. <laughs>